You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Then ended up in working out fine. All right, if you find your place this morning and open up your Bibles to uh, the book of Zechariah, so find your place in the book of Zechariah and then turn over to Romans chapter 8. So kind of hold your place in Zechariah and then go to Romans chapter number 8. We're going to continue preaching through Romans, but as we've done oftentimes, we've uh, gone to another place in the Bible that illustrates the principle that we're preaching. And uh, that is the case when we, uh, as we'll see in the book of Zechariah chapter 3, you can kind of mark your place there, uh, but then go over to Romans and we'll start in the book of Romans. And we've been, uh, th- this chapter, this Romans chapter 8 is one of the absolute high marks in all of the Bible. Uh, it is a tremendous chapter, uh, an amazing chapter to say the very least. Uh, it begins with, there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation because we share the righteousness of God and therefore the law cannot condemn us. Uh, since we have the righteousness of God, we cannot be condemned by the law. Uh, but it continues to say that there's no obligation. In other words, we don't have to serve the flesh. We don't have to be in bondage to sin because we have the Spirit of God who enables us to overcome the flesh. Uh, we can and should, as God's people, live victorious Christian lives. And, uh, but then it goes on, we looked at last week, there's no frustration because we share the glory of God, the blessed hope of Christ's return. In other words, uh, Whatever it is that we may face, we dealt with this last week, all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so uh, there's no condemnation, there's no obligation to the flesh and to sin. We don't have to be frustrated. There's no frustration because we know that no matter what we're facing and going through, uh, it's nothing that catches God by surprise, although it may indeed catch us by surprise. But then, uh, as we close out the, ch- the, the, the chapter uh, here that we've been studying, we're going to see that there's no separation. There's no separation because we experience the love of God. The Bible says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And we're going to read that in just a moment. The emphasis in this final section is on the security of the believer. The security of the believer. You know, there are those out there that teach that, uh, they'll, they'll even teach that salvation is by grace through faith, but then they'll say in order for you to stay saved, well, that's up to you. That's up to whether or not you do well enough and you do the good works and so forth. And I'm glad that's not the case. Uh, because we would be in bad shape and there's not one of us that be, would be able to maintain our salvation. Uh, the Bible says we've got to work out our own salvation, but the, the verse before that, or the, the, that, that verse goes on to say, for it's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So God works it in and it is up to us to allow God to work it out through our lives. But folks, as far as salvation is concerned, Praise God, we have eternal life, everlasting life. Uh, And so this passage deals with the security of the believer. I'm glad, folks, that our security this morning is not in the church. 
I really am. Uh, churches change. Uh, I, and I love this church, but I'm glad my security's not in this church. My security's not in my good works. My security is not in my family name. Folks, my security is in Christ and in Christ alone. And let me tell you something, that's a safe place to be. And so, the security of the believer, uh, we do not need to fear the past, the present, or the future. Uh, the Lord has taken care of all these things. Every aspect, everything we'll ever face in life, um, we can, uh, we can be encouraged and, 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 and uh, exhorted in the security that we have in the love of Christ. In this final section, there's five arguments that we're going to look at. This morning, we're going to mostly look at one of these five, final, of these five arguments. Um, and that is this. And that's today, the title of today's message is simply this. Uh, God is for us. God is for us. Uh, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The Bible says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, by the way, I want you to pay attention to some of these words as we go through here. Laying things to the charge of God's elect, uh, for instance. Uh, the term justified. Uh, and we're going to highlight those uh, to, to close out the message today. Notice verse 34. Another word to notice, condemn. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things. And I encourage you, we're not getting to we're not preaching this today, but if you circle that word in, many of us, many of us would reach a great place in our life if we could say, you know what, in spite of all that's going on, hey, I'm still a conqueror. Amen. We, would be re we would reach a great place probably if we made it to that point. But the Bible does not say in spite of these things, we're more than conquerors. It says in all these things. Amen. In all these things. And there's a difference. And we'll talk about that more, uh, Lord willing, in, uh, perhaps next week. <coughs> Uh, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord God, for these great truths and these great promises and how I pray, dear Lord, that You'll anoint me. God, I pray that You'll illuminate the hearts and the minds of uh, those that are here that are saved today. If there's anybody here, God, that needs to trust You as Savior, God, how I pray this would be the day that the Holy Spirit of God would convict their hearts and show them their need for You. God, help us to rejoice uh, and live in this security, God. We can live the lives of, as conquerors if we can grasp uh, this uh, security, dear Lord, that we have in You and in Your unspeakable love. And we thank You, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I want to read uh, just a small section of this once again, then we'll go over to the book of Zechariah again. Notice what the Bible says, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now, if you would, go over to the book of Zechariah and chapter number 3. And I want to begin reading in verse number 1. And I just want to read, this is a very short chapter, but I probably won't even read the whole chapter. It's only uh, 10 verses. But beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Now mind you, this is not the Joshua that, uh, that led the children of Israel into Canaan's land, as for me and my house we shall earth. Uh, serve the Lord Joshua. This is a different Joshua. This is Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, Satan, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is, it not, thi is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Verse 5. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord uh, protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt judge my house, and thou shalt keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. And I encourage you to read more of the book of Zechariah later. This is a very exciting time in the history of Israel. The 70 years of captivity, Babylonian captivity, have come to an end. Uh, and as well as the Persian captivity there at the, the last part of it. The Persian king, King Cyrus, made an edict that the Israelites, the people of Israel, may return to their land and may rebuild their temple uh, and that's exactly what they began to do. By the way, there's some awesome things as we deal with the prophecy here, and I would be remiss if I didn't take just a moment to tell you a little bit about the prophecy, then I'll get back into the application that I'm trying to make out of these verses uh, that, that apply to Romans chapter number 8. For one thing, it's pretty awesome, because Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, prophesied by name that King Cyrus would be the Persian king that allowed the Jewish people to return to the land of Israel uh, and rebuild their, restore the temple. A hundred years before the birth of Cyrus. And in fact, Daniel was the one who shared with Cyrus, hey, look, what God said about you uh, going back many years. So that's a pretty cool thing. But there's another pretty cool connection. On February 21st of this year, the temple organizations in Israel issued a half-shekel coin. A half-shekel coin. Now, if you study the purpose for the half-shekel, it goes all the way back into the Old Testament, and it has to do with temple worship. And 
You would come as you brought as you come to the temple. You bring a half shekel so that you could come and worship. Well, uh, on February twenty first, uh, the the temple organization re- released a half shekel. On that half shekel, there was a picture of Donald Trump's profile overlaying the profile of King Cyrus. Uh, very good question. Somebody said why. I think uh, here's why. You want to know why? Because, well, the main reason they did Donald Trump is because Donald Trump was the, the presidents have been promising this for decades, but he promised that they would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and he did recognize uh, uh, Israel or Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And so as a result of that, uh, they honored Donald Trump, but they saw something else in Donald Trump because just like King Cyrus allowed them to go rebuild their temple, folks, there's a pretty awesome truth that's revealed in all of this that we don't hear a whole lot about. The purpose for the shekel is temple worship. The temple organizers have virtually everything needed to build the third temple and be ready for the dedication in about three and a half years. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Folks, the Bible prophesied all throughout that God, that, that, that God would allow Israel to be dispersed among the nations. But He said, I will bring them back together again, and I will bring them and make them a nation once again, which happened in 1948. And, that, and over and over again in Bible prophecy, even in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about Jesus returning to Jerusalem, and it talks about the, the third temple that will be built in Jerusalem. Folks, many of us don't understand this, but just a generation or two ago, all of this seemed like an absolute impossibility. All the nation of Israel was was a bunch of Jews scattered around the earth. Uh, there was no nation of Israel. There was no country for them to call home. Um, and right, right now as we speak, uh, Jerusalem is recognized as the, the, the capital of Israel. But I want you to understand something. The Dome of the Rock, uh, the Muslim site, still sits on the, the place where they would build this temple. And uh, the, the Islamists aren't ready to tear down the Dome of the Rock to accommodate the Jews rebuilding their temple. I guarantee you that much. But the, but the awesome thing is, is we are seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes. God said all this would happen. Uh, so now I kind of digress and get back to our background. Okay, Cyrus uh, allows the Jews to go back and uh, rebuild the temple. Ezra returns. Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, the prophet Haggai accompany him. Nine years later, Nehemiah returns to build the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Uh, but so the, the exciting time that I'm telling you about here is these people have been without a temple. They've been in captivity. They have been uh, away from home. But now the temple is ready. And now uh, Joshua the high priest is ready to step forth and to minister there in the temple. But But what we notice is that Satan is there to resist him. Satan is there to resist him. So the first thing I want to notice is this. A determined, dedicated servant. Notice verse number 1 again of Zechariah 3. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The standing before there, it gives the indication that he's standing there to minister. He's standing there to serve. And folks, isn't it great that God still uses human instruments to accomplish His purposes? 
And He uses you and me. He wants to use us. And as people that have been plucked from the fire. Notice what it says there in verse 2. I love this terminology. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now I believe he's talking primarily about Israel because Israel was placed in the fire of judgment in Babylon. They were placed in the fire of judgment, but God did not let them burn up. So God reaches in and He snatches a brand from the fire before it can be destroyed. And you know what that reminds me of though? I think about that in another very practical sense. Hallelujah, listen. I'm glad that God snatched me from the fire. Amen. I was lost on my way to hell. I was lost in my sins. I mean, I did not know God. I was walking contrary to the Lord. But I'm glad that, hallelujah, God sent somebody by my way to tell me about the Lord Jesus Christ. To tell me the old, old story how a Savior came from glory. Amen? Amen. How He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And I'm so glad when I heard that glorious message that I called on the name of the Lord and, and praise God, He saved my soul. And in doing so, He snatched me. Anybody else? been snatched from the fire? A brand snatched from the fire? Aren't you glad that God snatched you up, saved your soul? And listen, if He's done that, uh, listen, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2 says, for we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And when you look at that verse, when you look at Romans 8 that we've been studying, we find out that God has a predestined uh, purpose for every child of God. All, all those who come to Christ in salvation, God has a life. He has a purpose. He has a plan for you. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill His plan. Yes. I want to do His will. I want to serve Him. Like Joshua, I want to be willing to stand forth and say, Lord, I'm standing before You. I'm here to serve. I'm here to minister. Lord, uh, speak for Your servant here. Anybody else? That ought to be our attitude. And now, please, don't misunderstand and think, oh, do we all now need to surrender to preach or to teach or or something to that effect? Oh, goodness, no. Uh, God has you perhaps right now where He wants you to be in the job he would have you to be working in the family in the situation and in that see the bible says we can do all to the glory of god so in whatever it is that you're doing right now in whatever place you're in folks you ought to be be able to do it as the bible says unto the lord do it as unto the lord serve him and that ought to be our our heart's desire lord here i am and we'll get to it later on in the book of romans where where the bible says to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god you know god will not force you to do that god will not force one of you to commit and 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 dedicate your life to the lord but it's a willing sacrifice. By the way, it's a pretty cool thing when you actually look at it. This brand plucked out of the fire. Uh, he's a high priest. Now, none of us in here are high priests, but did you know that if you're in here today and you're saved, you are a priest? Amen. You are a priest. Uh, and, and, and you're a biblical priest. Amen. And you're a biblical uh, priesthood. And you're a New Testament priesthood. The Bible talks about sacrifices that we offer. But it's interesting. Revelation 1 verse 6, the Bible says, And He hath made us kings and priests unto God. He has made us kings and priests unto God. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. You say, well, what, what does that mean exactly? Well, one thing it means, praise God, is what the, a, a very important truth that we believe and teach, and that's the priesthood of the believer. I am glad that I don't have to go to anybody uh, in order for them to go to God on my behalf because I can't go to God on my own behalf. I'm glad we may all come. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so, folks, we're to come boldly before God. We are priests and we can serve Him and we can uh, uh, worship and we can witness uh, for the Lord. And I hope that's the desire. And that was clearly Joshua's desire. But we see Joshua the dedicated servant. We see him as the determined servant. May God help us to be that. But I want to notice this. Number two, notice Joshua the disparaged and the derided servant. In other words, he was put down. He was looked down upon. He was scoffed at. By whom? Anybody in here ever feel like you get looked down on? Well, I'll tell you one thing. When the Bible says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I've got an answer to that question. I've got an answer to that question. It's right here in the book of Zechariah. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In verse 1, the Bible says, uh, and, and the last part of verse 1, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Verse 2, and the Lord said, Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. But guess what? Satan was there to disparage and to discourage him. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I want you to pay close attention to that terminology as we consider laying something to the charge of God's elect. I'm bringing this chair up, and I may need a volunteer here shortly. Some that volunteered last week for the All Things Work Together for Good may not volunteer at the threat of getting... Man, Jersey, that opened up just right for you. Look at that. Um, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I've got a couple passages to share with you. Revelation 12, verse 10 the Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength uh, and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. Why? Because the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. An accuser. I looked that word accuser up. The word accuser means to be a plaintiff. A plaintiff. It means to charge with some offense. It means to accuse. It means to object. So literally, as Joshua stands to serve and to minister and to dedicate his life for the Lord, Satan stands up just like a prosecutor would over on this side. And we'll let Miss Jean be the prosecutor. She's sitting on that side. And she says, Objection! On what grounds? On the grounds that are about to be revealed. We're here with Joshua. For one thing, he had filthy garments on. We're going to see that in just a moment. 
But the point is, Satan is an accuser. So in Romans uh, 8.31, and we'll be kind of referring back and forth, the Bible says, What shall we say to these things of God be for us? Who can be against us? Who can be against us? That's Satan. Uh, Satan's name literally means adversary. That's, that's the literal interpretation of the name Satan is adversary. Who, who is this that shall stand before us? Who is this that shall lay something to our charge? I'll tell you who it is. It is Satan. He's the one that would stand against God. He's the one that would stand against us. He is the adversary. And and, and it's interesting, Numbers 22, verse 22, uh, the word used for Satan is interpreted as an adversary. In Numbers 22, verse 32, the word Satan is translated, the same word is used for to withstand. To withstand. So Satan, he's an adversary and he withstands. So, who is it that, uh, what is it that, uh, that if God be for us, who will be against us? I'll tell you who's against you, Satan. His powers, his principalities, all of his demonic forces are against the work of God. And remember what we said, God wants to use human instruments. Satan hates humans. Satan hates God more than he hates anything. He wants nothing more than to destroy you. The, The Bible says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy And I want to tell you something. Some of the discouragement, some of the depression that we may face, those things may not be directly, may or may not be directly attributed to Satan. But I tell you something that I do attribute directly to Satan. And that's him taking advantage of us when we get into those places when he begins to whisper thoughts of suicide. Folks, that is a flat out demonic attack because he's a killer. He's a murderer. And I'm telling you, He's trying to influence you in that way. And I'm telling you, you need to understand that you're a conqueror and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to submit to, to, uh, to surrender to that. But He's a murderer. Yes. He's a murderer. So who, who is it that uh, will be against us? Our adversary, Satan. But notice in verse 33, the Bible says in Romans, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I'll tell you who. The devil. So... Satan has many names. Satan means adversary. The devil means, listen, false accuser or slanderer. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, in the last days there will be false accusers. Amen. Hey, don't be a devil. Yeah. Don't be a devil. That's good. A devil is somebody that slanders other people, puts other people down, spreads things on other people. That, that's a devil. Now, that's not the devil, but you're acting like the devil. Uh, Because the the, the Bible says in the last days there shall be false accusers. There'll be devils. (laughs) There'll be people that are falsely accusing, slandering people. But Satan is the false accuser. Uh, But here's here's one thing I've got to say about Satan. Satan is indeed a false accuser. But when you look in the book of Zechariah, you'll notice something. We see the discouraged servant. You ever get discouraged? We see the discouraged servant. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. The thing about Satan is, he will falsely accuse you, but 
It don't always have to be false, does it? That's right. He may have said some lies about Joshua, but I'm telling you one thing Satan saw real clearly. It was very apparent that this man's, uh, as a high priest that was coming into the presence of God, God, God had very certain specifications for the way that his garments were supposed to be. This man's garments weren't up to par. Amen. I wonder if there's ever any of you that aren't up to par. All the excitement of being saved, of being plucked out of the fire, of understanding that God has a purpose for my life. But all the, all the discouragement when we begin to face opposition from Satan resisting, and the flesh resisting, and the world resisting. Man, that's tough. Amen. But then what's worse is when we look at ourselves. Yes, amen. And by the way, let me tell you something. If you think you're better than other people, and if you somehow justify yourself because you think you're, if you think you're holier than thou, you think you're holier than the next person and so much better, you reveal something very clearly. You reveal that you've not been in the presence of God lately. Amen. Yeah. I am personally convinced, and you can disagree with this, but I'm pretty certain that Joshua didn't notice these garments being filthy when he put them on. He said, how could he not notice that? Maybe it was a darker room. Maybe it was this. But, it, but either way, at least let me apply it to this illustration. Have you ever done that? You put something on, you come out into the light, and you're like, oh, really? Yep. Great. I got this big stain, you know, or I've got this on my... And we, you, you didn't notice it before you left home, but you come into the, 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 the light of the sun, or you come into a certain kind of light, and you begin to notice all these flaws and blemishes. But here's what I mean to say. If we're comparing ourselves among ourselves, we can almost always find somebody that we're doing better than. And that's when we begin to get puffed up. Well, I'm doing this and they're not doing... And I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and I'm not doing the other thing. Listen, if all your spirituality is, is, is strengthened in the negative, you're missing it. Amen. But I'll tell you something. In the presence of God, pride... I mean, pride withers and fades. Amen. I mean, in a hurry. So if I'm in the presence of God, that doesn't leave me much room to be sticking my nose up in the air. Right. You know, you, you, ever, you ever worry about some religious people and church people? I mean, especially if it's a rainy day or something and you're worried to death they might just drown. Because they're walking around like this, you know, and it just might uh, flood their, their, their nasal cavity and lungs and they may drown because their nose is so far up in the air. But that's another message. But I will say, it is worth noting that I believe it was when he came into the presence of God to where he thought, man, maybe I don't look so snazzy today after all. Yeah. And see, God reveals the deepness of the heart. And so, he, he, was the, he was the determined, the dedicated servant. But then he was the disparaged, the, the, the derided servant when Satan attacked him. Now he's the discouraged servant because as he sits here, to be accused of Satan, because what I'm imagining as we get into Romans chapter 8 is what I was trying to get you to show is very similar to Zechariah. Sounds a lot like a courtroom. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, the Bible says that Satan works as an accuser yeah. and as an adversary. It means plaintiff. And so he's got accusations to make. And here we are, sitting in this box. He may be telling some lies, but one thing's for sure. But when Satan speaks up and says, well, what about those garments, Lord? I'm not making that up. And Joshua just has to say, man, what was I thinking? 
Who did I think I was that I could serve this God? Who did I think I was? Anybody get like that? But what you've got to understand, folks, is it's not about you. You're just a brand plucked out of the fire. We're just all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. He's still doing a work on every one of us. So we see the discouraged servant, but we're going to close with the defended servant. The defended servant. Notice what the Bible says. I love what the Lord says. Verse 2 to Satan. The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. And you know what? After that, we, uh, we, we read uh, really no more about Satan because he's dealt with, but we're going to find out why. The defended servant. In Romans chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Uh, the defended servant. The Bible says in Romans 13 verse 14, but listen to this and you can turn over there if you want to. It's just a few pages. Romans 13 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Okay, so there's an illustration here that really to me fits what God is saying here. Okay, uh, who, who would be my volunteer this morning? Connie, you come. No, you know, Christian, I got you last week. Connie, we'll get Christian up here this week. And we'll get Connie uh, maybe next time. Maybe you need a bigger chair. <laughs> Christian, come on up and have a seat. So Christian is now being accused. Miss Jean is the, is the prosecutor. Do you want to prosecute Miss Jean? Okay. <laughs> I know Miss Jean's just like, I can do that. Uh, but uh, so she is prosecuting. And maybe she's making some foul, false allegations against Christian. I didn't think about his name being Christian. I'm glad you volunteered. That's perfect, isn't it? She's making false allegations, and the Lord's like, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. But then all of a sudden she says, well, what about this? Christian, have you committed any sins within the last week? This is a dangerous question you have. Um, did you know that there's not only sins of commission, so to speak, in other words, sins that we commit that we do, there's also sins of omission. In other words, there's things that we should do that we don't do, and that is sin. The Bible says, God forbid that I should cease in praying for you. In other words, if you're trying to keep up with all these sins all the time, uh, I want you to understand something, that the fact of the matter is we sin. So the fact is that some of the accusations that the adversary would be making and the accuser would make against Christian, and we could all, we, we could all sit in this chair, yeah. against Christian are true. And God is a just God. Understand this. God loves Christian. Amen. But God doesn't say, see, because... The law is in this courtroom, and the law will be not will, the law will not be mocked in God's courtroom. God loves Christian, but God does not say, "You know what, Satan? It's true. He sinned. Uh, he's violated my law. Uh, but you know, I love him so much that you know I'm just going to kind of not. I'm just going to kind of turn the other cheek. I'm not going to pay attention to it, and 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 therefore I'm just not going to listen to what you say, Satan." God doesn't do that because He's a just God. You say, well, that's not very encouraging. Well, it is encouraging because God has a solution. Amen. And here's the solution. If God be for us. So I, have you ever, you ever watched courtroom dramas of some sort? Yes. Can't you just imagine the adversary up here? I mean, just, just wearing Christian out. By the way, have you ever been wore out? Yeah. Amen. I mean, the accusations are coming hard against you. Some of them is false, but some of them is true. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 
and he's got he's got Christian all worked up and worked over. But here's the good news. The Bible says that we put on Christ. So it's not that God just says, you know what, I love them so much, I'm just going to forget about their sin. No, He says, I'm going to take care of their sin. So here's, here's what the Lord does, which Satan, it really, it really bothers him. Because here's what the Lord does. If God be for us, who can be against us? So in, in a sense, the Bible says to put on Christ. And when we're saved, we put on Christ. So when God looks at us, when we accept Him as our Savior, we're accepting His righteousness. Amen. So no longer, I love what the, song, the, the old song says, uh, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before His throne. I don't stand before God in my righteousness. I stand before God in His righteousness. So here it is. Here's the judge having to agree with much of what the adversary is saying. But Christian, get up if you would please. But now, if the judge, the righteous God now comes sit in this chair. And guess what? Now He is for me. Thank you, Christian. Now He is for me. Now Satan is coming up to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, but Christian sin. Wait, no, no, Christian's in me. His sin has been removed. And so now all the accusations that would be coming against Christian, now Jesus, God is for me now. He's in my place. He's in my stead. So guess what? Those charges are not going to stick. (laughs) Those charges will not stay. See, God is for us. The Father is for us. He proved it by giving His Son. The Son is for us. He proved it by giving His life. The Spirit of God is for us. He proved it by making all things work together for good. In His person and in His providence, God is for us. Now there are times in our life where we feel like the patriarch uh, Jacob and we will often say all these things are against me. But I promise you, God is working all things uh, to our good and to His glory. If God be for us, who can be against us? Every child of God needs to enter each new day recognizing that God is for Him. There's no need to fear. For His loving Father desires only the best for His children. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, uh, to give you an expected end. God's thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace. Yes, I'll tell you who's against you. Satan's against you. I'll tell you who will lay something to your charge. Satan will lay something to your charge. But here's the thing. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is Christ that died. He's paid. Yeah, He committed those sins, but I've paid for them already. There's no double jeopardy going on here. I've already paid for those sins. He's not going to have to pay for them too. I've taken care of it. Uh, Verse 34, Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is ever at the right hand of God making intercession. He's our advocate. He's our advocate before the Father. He's the one that stands in that place. And so thank God, aren't you glad, just like with Joshua, God gave him a change of clothes. And when we get saved, God gives us a change of clothes. And I'm not talking about physical clothing. I'm talking about spiritual clothing. The Bible says, I've already said already, to put on Christ. The Bible says that we should put off the old man, put on the new man. 
in the book of Zechariah, in the end, the devil had to drop his case. The devil was no longer able to stand against Zechariah. Well, who can stand against him when God's standing for him? He had to flee. And guess what the people of God did in that temple? You want to guess? They worshiped. They praised God. They gave God the glory. And Satan, no doubt, he's still around saying, well, you don't have no right to worship. You've sinned. You've come short. But somebody says, that's why I'm worshiping. Because even though I've sinned and come short, He's forgiven me. He's given me the power to overcome. He's making it to where I'm not dominated by the flesh. He's helping me to be a conqueror, live a victorious life. Yes, amen. They're worshiping. They're praising God. And he comes along and says, well, how can you praise God? You're sir? You, you shouldn't praise God. Look, look at all your bad circumstances. God must really be frowning on you because things are going so poorly in your life right now. They say, no, no, no. That's why I'm praising God. Because even though things are going poorly, things aren't good, but my God is still good. So they're still singing and they can still worship and they can still praise. And folks, I want you to know something today. That's the kind of life, that's the kind of place, that's the kind of altitude that God wants us to live in. Yes, we sin, we come short. That's not okay. It's not okay that we sin. But guess what we do? The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. In other words, we confess and we forsake our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Have you sinned? Did you ask God to forgive you? Then go on (laughs) and rejoice and worship. You say, well, I don't feel very forgiven. doesn't matter. The Christian life is not a life of feeling. It's a life of faith. He said He'd forgive you. Did you ask Him to forgive you? Then He forgave you. I mean, you you meant it from your heart. It's it's not this indulgence thing. Oh, forgive me because I know I'm about to go do a really bad one. Don't work. That's not not repentance. That's not confession. But when we from our hearts say, oh God, please forgive me. Oh Lord, I'm reminded once again of the frailty and the filthiness of my own nature and my flesh. And Lord, I trust in the power of the Spirit of God to give me the power that I need to live and to serve and to stand before You. Psalm 56, verse 8. This kind of all goes together with Romans 8, but it says, Psalm 56, verse 8, Thou tellest my wanderings. Notice this. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Listen to that. God knows every tear that you shed. Every heartache. And I like this. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. For God is for me. (laughs) God is for me. And listen, in God will I praise His Word. In the Lord will I praise His Word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. And if that's not the sentiment of everything that we just preached this morning, I don't know what is. And so as we all stand this morning, is God for you? You say, well, it don't really seem like it right now. I didn't ask you that. If you're saved by God's grace, He's for you. The Word proclaims it. You say, oh man, I I sinned, I failed earlier this week. You did? 
What did you did you did you confess it before the Lord? Yeah, but boy, I tell you, I just still haven't got over it. Well, you better get over it, amen. And praising and thanking. Going through a tough time. Listen, he's got you. He's got he's got all your tears written in a book. He's keeping up with it. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. If you're here, we're 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 here talking about the security of the believer, and as as Sonia comes. We're here talking about the security of the believer this morning. If you're here today, listen very closely, and you are not saved by the grace of God. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior. I didn't say people think you're saved. I said that you are saved. You know that you've trusted Christ. I want you to know something. You have no security. And when these accusations come against you, I promise you one thing. Baptism will not hold up under examination, under that cross-examination, baptism will not hold up. Church membership will not hold up. Being a good person will not hold up. There's only one thing that will hold up, and that's Christ and Christ alone. If you're not saved, please, humble yourself. Admit it. Admit that you're a sinner that needs saving. Hey, listen, Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again the third day. If you're not saved, you can call on Him today. Child of God, in the messages to come, we're going to be start, start talking about the how we're overcomers. You're going to have to get a hold of what we just preached about if you're going to be an overcomer. And the things we've been preaching out of Romans, if you're going to be an overcomer. That God is for you. This I know. This I know. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord, for Your Word. I'm glad that You saved an old sinner like me, God. Snatched me up, God, as a firebrand, God. Hallelujah. So glad I'm saved today, Lord. There had not been too many days, God, in, in these years that, you, that I've known You that I've been proud of the way I've lived from at the end of, the, at the end of any day. But God, I've sure been able to glory in You and in the cross and what You've done because it's not about me, Lord. It's about You. It's about Your unspeakable grace and mercy this morning. Now God, there's some of Your people that are here right now, God, that are struggling. God, they just need Your help. God, help them to lay hold of this truth. It's all founded in Your love for them. Understanding Your love for us, God, or trying to at least grasp, grasp it to some extent makes a difference. It helps us, dear Lord God, as we face the trials in life, the things that we do not understand and that we do not have explanations for. It helps us as we face our own failures. Whatever infirmity it may be, dear Lord, in Your love, God, You can make us, and You have made us conquerors. But there's just a lot of people, God, right now that's under the sound of my voice. They're not living like conquerors, God, even though they really are. God, just help them to grasp these truths. It's not about how you feel. It's about faith. It's about you said it, Therefore it is.